0: Hello, everyone, welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast. Roll the intro.
1: So, whether you're on the cricket ground, playing park or the bush, you still gotta run, you still gotta tackle when the strums are not the same bush. You give it some, you give some more, and you really give your all. Playing
0: like rugby league football, it's the greatest game of all. And here's a message about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by our two sponsors. They are two locally owned Central Coast businesses. First one is the Grange Hotel in Wyoming. For a good drink, good food, and good time, head over to the Grange, Wyoming. I recommend you go there on Monday nights because they have a special on schnitties. My favorite schnitty is the pepper gravy one. And our second sponsor is Zabara Clothing. Manufacturers and suppliers of teamwear and uniforms, head to www.zabara.com.au or visit their store in Erina, New South Wales, Australia. This episode is also sponsored by Boot Computers based in Gorrick New South Wales, Australia. They are a Microsoft registered refurbisher. So for all of your computer needs, whether it's you need networking, you need Um, data recovery, you need new computers, you need old computers, you want them fixed, you want anything to do with computers, head over to Boot Computers in Gorkin, New South Wales, Australia. Tell them CJ from the Final Tackle Podcast sent you. This episode is proudly partnered with NRL Universe. For all of your rugby league news, be it NRL, NRLW, Super League and more, head over to their website or their Facebook page to be updated on all things league related. They also have a lot of awesome podcasts on their website including ours as well as The Locker Room and Six Tackles with Gus Gould. So be sure to head over to their website. It's the best place to get your rugby league news fix. I'm CJ and I am joined by former Raiders captain, hard-hitting enforcer, Alan Tung, thank you for joining us here, mate.
1: Yeah, thanks, CJ. Thanks for having us on board. It's uh, it's great to be chatting you at an exciting time of the year around finals too for the NRL.
0: Oh yes, and your beloved Raiders are definitely definitely shoe wins. I think at least for minimum preliminary finals, given their form, yeah. I reckon.
1: Well, yeah, I mean they've had a they've had a great season, and I think there was a lot of people, and you know what, I'm going to have to put my hand up as well and say. There were some real concerns with losing a couple of guys, in particular Shannon Boyd. Um, and Junior Polo at the start of the year, um, mm-hmm. you know, we we all sort of thought, I wonder how they're going to, you know, go without those couple of big men. But I tell you what, they've just played a really entertaining brand of footy. Had a bit of a hiccup against the Warriors there and letting that one slip, but they're into that top four and they give themselves a really good ch- um, chance. And yep. um, there's a really good feeling around the club at the moment, which is awesome. That's wonderful
0: to hear. Also, um, quick question before we get into the interviews regarding the Raiders and their finals. Do you think it's the combination of like a mix? Of everything, you know, you've got the few British blokes, you've got you've got some of the Kiwis, you know, in in Nickel Clockstad and a few youngsters such as Charles Clockstad and um, mm-hmm. you know, hard hitting enforcers. You've got a good. I, I personally feel that the Raiders have the perfect mix of a little bit of everything that's needed in a team to win a grand final. Honestly, they're showing similar signs, in my opinion, of the 2003 Panthers grand final winning team. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd actually really agree with you. Um, um, I think I think the first thing that stands out to me has been their shifting and their mentality around um, defensively, their yes. attitude towards their defense. I think that is that has been the biggest key. And I think you put that down to, yeah, a couple of the guys that have come in. But obviously, you know, the coaching staff have had a real, um, influence on that on, on the off season. And yes, one of the things sure. to me that, that stands out is that they probably get more excited by saving a try than they do scoring one. And I yes. think that's a that's that's a really good sign. But you're right, the the Raiders have come together and when I look across all of the teams in the NRL, probably manly are, are the other team that probably go into this basket a little bit but they they've got a bit they're a little bit unorthodox about the mm-hmm. way that they play they're not your typical team that takes two or three up and they do a block play for a block play out the back and and hopefully score in the corner they've got a few guys that you know are a little bit awkward on the edges and they've got you know a few different varieties of attack in, in around the middle with caesar and whiten but also josh hodson a lot comes off him and even the front rowers, they're you know danamis louis and josh are guys that are, you know got footwork and you know got a bit of offload about them and so they're they're a little bit unpredictable and I think that's what um, you know is great about them sometimes they come up with a few errors in that style of play but when they get it right it, it seems to be really hard to defend against
0: yeah exactly and honestly another quick side note you guys will hear this in our hump day happenings with MG on Wednesday, but it's Raiders related. Congratulations to Ricky Stewart for signing on for uh, until uh, 2023. I know he's a a long time, lifetime Raider. Uh, Played his entire career at the Raiders and has coached the Raiders now. And I wish him all all the best for the future as well, especially if this is just the type of brand of footy that we can see. This season, so I'm I'm excited. Even if they don't make the grand final this year, I'm excited to see how they go in like the next two to three years.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think you know a lot of credit has to go to Ricky Stewart. Um, you know, when he came back here, the, you know, the exit from Parramatta and and also Cronulla, and all of these different things were all sort of hanging over their head. But you know, he's certainly come here and he's put together a really you know strong roster of uh, you know people from all around the world, which has been um, you know pretty crazy. And and one thing that's really stood out to me is. Um, the buyback in from community around Canberra. Yeah. Um, the crowds, the crowds are really starting to come back, and they're doing a lot more in community. Clap. And the yeah, world. how good is it? No, so yeah, get,
0: a lot I of get good. Chills. I'm not. No, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but all the listeners who who listen to this podcast know I'm I'm not a Raiders fan. I'm a devout Broncos fan, but I get chills and goosebumps whenever I watch the Raiders <laughs> Viking clap. I purposefully, even if I miss the game, I make sure I watch the Viking clap every game at home.
1: Yeah, it is. It's certainly something that has connected a lot of people. And we we know, um, I do a bit of work for ABC Radio calling the game. There's a lot of people that come from other teams and towns to just be a part of it. So it certainly is that. That whole game day experience is something that the, the Raiders as a business have focused on and there's plenty going on in the precinct and around as you go to GIO Stadium, but then the Viking Club and the exciting brand of footy, so it's, it certainly makes it a great day at the, at, the, at the game all around.
0: Exactly, and I think that's a very good thing to help the game move forward. And let's get into a few questions. Um, you made your debut in 2000 for the Raiders, which, by the way, Laurie Daly was still playing for the Raiders in that season. It was his final season, I think. What was that like and the week leading up to it? It
1: for you yeah it was it was an amazing experience um i played you know a few games in reserve grade uh in the the previous year when i was uh, in the under 19s yep. um, so yep. i played there played in the under 19s and then played about 10 or so games in reserve grade and and started the year there and um we played newcastle the week before in reserve grade and mm-hmm. we had a really really good win up there and, and then all of a sudden Mal came into the dressing sheds at the end and said, Mate, I need you to come to Brisbane for us just to to cover a few positions if, if we have any injuries and I was an apprentice mechanic at the time, so I'm okay. a second year apprentice. Second year apprentice mechanic, and I'd only packed my bag to go to Newcastle for one night. And after the game, we, we flew up to um, to Brisbane. We had a week long preparation leading into a Friday night game, and <laughs> it was only a couple of couple of days before I, I got the call up. And um, I probably still didn't even think right till the end. The injury concern was around Kenny Nagus, and. Um, oh you know, being a middle unit sort of player, I didn't think that I would, you know, get that uh, opportunity being Kenny on the wing, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. they th- threw me on the bench, and it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience. And as you mentioned, Laurie Daly and you know, Dave Ferner, Brett Mullins, um, Tootsie Croker, the older Tootsie Croker, that is, and yeah, Rubes, you know, the, yeah. the big names of the Raiders up against, you know, Alfie and um Gordy and all of those sort of players. It was a big Friday night game. And what made it a little bit um you know crazy from my end as well is I was on scholarship with the Broncos for three years before I finished my school and I pretty much had my sights and everything set on playing for the Broncos and oh, it was only out. just a only at the end of year 12, when I played in the Aussie schoolboys, I had an opportunity to go to a couple of other clubs and I'd had a bit yep. of a look about around and Canberra really just seemed like the right fit for me. And um, So to play my debut against the Broncos, who <laughs> had a really big impact on me as yeah. well throughout my high school, it was... Um, we went down in the game. I think it was about 12-6 or 14-6, I think it was, but it was a it was a pretty um, amazing experience.
0: Yeah, it would have been a bittersweet sort of thing. From because I've interviewed a few players who had a loss on their debut. They still they always said even though we lost, I went into the sheds with the biggest smile on my face because it's it's you made it. You know, you you a bit bittersweet sort of thing. Do you do you feel the same way about your debut? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I'm always been a pretty competitive um, sort of guy. So there was there was certainly the disappointment and you could feel the disappointment, you know, from a lot of players in and around the sheds. But, um, you know, to see that enjoyment um, on, on my family's face that uh, I got to see, you know, after the game was something that um, I'll take with me for, for the rest of my life is because, you know, when I reflect and look back on it now, um, you know, the game of rugby league was such a crazy experience and a wonderful experience for me. But it probably gives me the most enjoyment. How much, um, how much uh, love and excitement it gave all of my family and the little community that I grew up in, and that that yeah. was something that um, you know I'll really, really cherish.
0: Speaking of the little community, you were. It's uh, you. I did some research before, obviously. Um, And it says you were born in Tamworth. Uh, Did you grow up there or was it just you were born there and then your parents, you know, hauled ass and you moved, like, you know, to when you were, like, two sort of thing?
1: (laughs) No, no, no. um, So, yeah, I grew up in a little community just outside of Tamworth, actually. Yeah. place called Noombra which is about um yeah I suppose 20, 20 or 30 k's southeast um okay. of Tamworth in a, in a small little farming community out there my mum my dad and my two brothers um are still up there um so my family's been on the land up there for uh, I suppose a bit over 100 years it's oh, into wow. the fourth generation of farming up there with my brothers taking it on so it's uh it was a, it was a really you know, wonderful childhood and, um, yeah, did all my schooling in um, Tamworth. and went to Farrah High School and Farrah had an association with the Broncos, but just yep. through playing footy up there in, in and around Tamworth, um, I got the opportunity to come down to the Raiders at the end of school.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, and speaking of the week-long prep you just had for the game against the Broncos, this kind of follows into this question. How did you prep for matches and did you have any pre-game rituals?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I must admit, I, I'm not somebody that's hugely superstitious. I know that I did have um, some key things, whether it be in the warm-ups and different things that I'd like to do. I'd always like to finish the warm-up with, um, you know, defensive, like really, you know, getting in and ripping in um, against, you know, somebody holding the tackle pad and that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've always, always felt that if I had a defensive mindset, um, my attack would take care of itself. So I really had that focus so i had had a few little things that i'd always used to do and when i played probably down the half a bit more at the back end of my career it was you know finishing with some you know nice passes and get into that sort of rhythm and um yeah it was it was basically it wasn't too crazy my preparation but i was um you know in in the sense of just before game time but um i must admit i always was somebody that and I really put a lot of preparation in you know during the week I always had the most confidence going into the game when I'd done you know you know quality and um, you know good you work put, throughout the week You
0: know you'd put your best in and there's nothing else you could possibly do to be the best I'd like to be you know better than, than you are at that time sort of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it doesn't matter what work or industry that that you're in. I know that if you, you know, you get your preparation right, you get a lot of confidence out of that. And, you know, I always talk and you know, with the work that I do in um, a number of different fields is, um, you know, when you cross that white line, all that you're doing is... Um, you know, is what's ingrained in you and what your you know, your character just comes on full display. And, you know, if you've done the hard work behind the lights and uh, you know, in, in your own time and in your preparation, when you cross that line you just go into um, you know, it, it just becomes second nature and you just get into it, you rip in. So I really focused on getting that right. I didn't really focus too much on making sure I put the left sock on first or the right <laughs> boot or whatever it was. Yeah. It was just making sure that I had the prep right during the week.
0: Yeah, no worries. Um, and speaking of, you know, as you just mentioned, you do a, a, a few jobs now. Um, what is, How is retirement treating you? And as you just mentioned, what are some of the jobs that and roles that you have um, at the Raiders, et cetera, just in general, what are you doing post-footy life now?
1: So, I mean, you know, that transition from when I was, first um, retired in 2011, you know, was a challenge, like, um, yeah. you know, because I absolutely loved what I did, but, um, you know, it comes to us all, and, and moved on, and, um, you know, it's, it's crazy, my sort of, um, you know, whole footy career, I was prepping myself for what I'd do um, afterwards, because I was always, you know, worried about that side of things, and I made sure I'd done a lot of courses, and different yep. things, I'd actually got back into university, but long story short. Uh, long story short, I got into doing some youth work um, and mm-hmm. started off in a juvenile justice centre, oh, wow. and then ex- expanded there to uh, now I run my mentoring programs um, for in term four and term one in school terms with oh, wow. uh, high school. Primary school, and I still do a bit of work in our detention centres down here. But then also, in terms two and three, so basically over footy season, I work full time for the NRL, yeah. uh, delivering a program called Voice Against Violence. Um, okay. So if you ever and you want to have a bit more of a look at that, you can jump on the NRL um, website and go to our community page and click on and click on the um, yeah, domestic violence. Yeah, um, Voice Against Violence, and you can read up a bit more on it. So I work, a, you know, a lot around Australia, but also in Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Tonga, mm-hmm. um, and New Zealand, delivering um, an education and awareness program about the prevention of violence uh, towards women. Yep. Um, and I do that through our rugby league clubs.
0: That, that's wonderful. Um, and also, everyone, that link will be posted in the in the description of our episode when it goes live on YouTube, Spotify, and Podbean as well. Um, yeah, no, that's wonderful. Uh, did you play any other positions as a junior?
1: Yeah, yeah. So when I was actually younger, um, and most people uh, probably understand that I wasn't the great, biggest player um, you know, <laughs> yeah. throughout my career, I, I played a bit of footy at halfback in five, eight when oh, I wow. was... Um, you know, young and even a little bit at fullback at one stage and and sort of moved and chopped around when I was a young kid. But, you know, mainly played sort of in and around the halves, not at dummy half. I was always, you know, a seven sort of thing. And then Uh um, as I got a little bit bigger at school, they put me in the lock because I was running the ball too much as a halfback. (laughs) Probably not passing enough. You'd call that a hog, I suppose. But I just take... They get it at so they put me in at lock, and um, so I played in a number of positions there. But uh, you know, I finished my career playing, um, you know, number nine. But it uh, was right throughout my career. I'd actually never played um, any of that in my junior footy. So I played a few different positions, but um, yeah, mainly in and around that sort of middle unit and ball playing sort of area.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, is there anything you miss and don't miss about
1: the game? Yeah, I think. Um, there's nothing better than that feeling of uh, you know singing the team song in the dressing yeah. shed after after a really good win and um, you know that's not just because you beat the opposition on the day but it's because of you know that the preparation and the hard work that everybody's done um, to get there to be able to do that and to share that sort of enjoyment because not only you're feeling you know happy about it but you know that your fans are going home feeling happy about you know you winning and your performance because um you know that's one of the crazy things about rugby league is you know we just go out and play the game that we love and that we grew up playing and you you sometimes you just you know think about your own little Space, but then you see in the professional environment how much joy and how much emotion you know people that are just fans of the game put into it, and how much yeah. it means to them. So, when um, when when you do win, um, you know, it's not only for your, your team and your, your mates, but it's also for those special fans and members and yeah. supporters that um, are riding the journey with you.
0: Yeah, and speaking of your journey, you went on to play 220 games for the Green Machine. What would be the highlight of your career? <laughs>
1: Um, there's, there's a few, but I will. I will. Um, I mean, go through, know, go through a few of them if you want. Uh, I yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of. I mean, the debut was obviously really, really special, as we've already chatted about. There was a game that we beat, um, you know, St George, um, at okay. Cogra, I think it was. Um, oh, one wow. game. There wasn't wasn't much on the um in the whole scheme of the season, but I just remember we were really challenged throughout the week. We were battered and bruised. We had players on the side and on left, right, and centre. It was a young group of us go out. We were no chance of beating um, the Dragons and. It was 1918, I think it was, and Brad Drew at the time kicked the field goal to win the game. I oh, remember just, yeah. you know, reflecting there um, afterwards on the game and just how, you know, just our young group of men, and a lot of them sort of were similar age to me, that no, no chance in the world, but when you believe in each other and you stick to the process, you know, anything can be done. And, yeah. um, you know, some moments like that. The first time I got to captain uh, the side was um, a really... A really big honor to me and i remember sitting in the dressing sheds at um, brookie oval yeah. and um sitting there just bef- before just about to go out and just reflecting on you know my journey coming into the side you know not pretty much just scraping a spot on the bench for you know <laughs> five or six years at the start to being all of a sudden acknowledged to be able to cap them the side and then thinking of you know the great people that had kept them the side before me and that was um you know, that was a, a really proud moment, um, you know, for me to be able to do that. Um so yeah, there were some yeah, some really special moments throughout and then even, you know, towards the back end, um in the final couple of games uh, of my career and even though we, we didn't win both of those, we'd had a really tough season in twenty eleven. But Um, once again, seeing the enjoyment that the game had brought a lot of people really close to me was something that I'll like I I said before, I'll really cherish. That's awesome. Are
0: there any rules you'd like to see make a comeback? Be changed, be removed, or any new ones that you that you think of or have heard about before that you think would do well?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's um yeah, there's it's it's one of the things as a game we've probably, you know, everybody criticizes and does you know, some different things. But there has been some changes over the past that the game's, you know, trying to implement, which is really good. I, I still um, would like to tinker with the golden point rule. I think, yes. um, you know, I, I love that, you know, fans get an opportunity to come away with either winning or losing in the day. Like, um, people say, well, why don't we just keep it a draw? But, um, but yeah, I would probably... That's right. I probably would like to see a a golden try wins it. Um, If you decide to go for a field goal, well, then that's your choice, but it doesn't win the game. It still might uh, in that moment. So if you've got 10 minutes extra time, if you want to go for a field goal well, you win it at the end of 10 minutes, that's okay, but a golden try is what wins it. Um, I'm I'm, I'm
0: sort of, sorry to interrupt, I'm I'm sort of similar when it comes to that. I don't think a field goal um, in the sense of a golden try has to win it. But also, there can be penalties, you know, and you can go for a two points, as in two-point yep. two attempt penalty penalty goal, and that can win it. But, you, but that means you still have to play plenty of footy in those, either the first five minutes or the second five minutes of it to at least get there. There just needs to be more than one point, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. So I think, yeah, it would be the golden try to win it, but you can take the two and still kick a field goal. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's your choice. But, you know, to to actually win it outright in that sort of moment, you have to uh, score the try. And I think it would open up, you know, an opportunity for more teams to, to kick a field goal as yeah. well um, because exactly. teams are trying to defend their line at the moment. It's just trying to get to the middle and there's, six or seven people that come out to try and charge down a field goal. So it'd open up opportunities,
0: yeah. That also brings up that idea of, with the golden try, and you're saying, yes, they can kick a field goal. If they do kick a field goal, goal, but it doesn't count, as in in the sense of, like, it's the one point, you know, they do the restart for the kickoff and they just continue until the um, two two halves or five minutes are done, whether a try is scored or not, technically that team will win because they've got that one extra point at the end of the two halves.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I think it's, I think it's a um, something that I've, I've mentioned a couple of times. But you know, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how it's, um, so it all plays out. And I think we also need to just have a look at um, ways that we can still keep player welfare um, at the forefront, but we don't um, slow up the game too much, like we've there's been a couple of um, instances this year where I've been calling the game and uh, there's been a head knock and the guy's got up dusty and you think, well, he's got to come off straight away. He gets back in the line and then two sets later when the attacking team's got the ball and he's on the um, defending team and all of a sudden the referee's whole play, two or three tackles in and say, no, he has to go off for a HIA. When the attacking team's got the ball, when it's two sets down the track, when you could have noticed in the moment that this guy was as groggy as and he needed to go off or players... In the background, you know, getting their knee strapped, and then all of a sudden, two or three minutes later, um, the game restarts. And you know, our game is built on, um, you know, fatigue and decision making und- under adversity. And um, you know, I think you know, teams that are getting smarter, and yeah, they're coached to do that as well. And um, you know, I think, I think, you know, sometimes you just got to get, you know, pulled to the side and wrap your knee up and get back going as best you can. And you know, I know that we have to take the safety-first approach for our players. But sometimes, you know, when the game's been held up by a couple of minutes when one team's all had the ball and, you know, I think we've just got to be really, you know, we've just got to, you know, play with that or get an understanding. The referees just know when, you know, let's keep the play moving and let's keep it fast because that's what the fans want.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Just a random topic, not even related to that question, is did you have a team that you followed when you were growing up?
1: Yeah, well, I was a, a Bulldogs supporter to start off because the Peel Valley Juniors, who I played with um, when I was a young kid, had the Bulldogs colours, which were um, fantastic, but also the Penrith Panthers. And I uh, was a big Greg Alexander fan, oh, being nice. a halfback when I was a young, young kid. Yep. Um, I still remember that uh, the mad try he scored in the backflips and everything that he did. I think it was up against France when he was over there. But, yep. um, yeah, so I, I followed the Bulldogs and then... Um, the penrith panthers and even when the penrith panthers uh got beaten and also beat the raiders i was i was a panthers fan um but then sort of at the back end of school i just wasn't fanatical about one or the other but i just you know probably had a bit of an affiliation with the bronx because i um, was on scholarship scholarship there but i just just had a love of rugby league
0: yeah wonderful um
1: that that's more
0: or less myself don't get me wrong i am a devout broncos fan but that (laughs) I'm I'll be the first to say, you know, not necessarily this season in particular, but I mean in general if say the Broncos lose a game whether it's um unsettlingly as in by like 20 plus points or whether it's by one or two points, I'm not going to be a one-eyed nut and say, "Oh no, it was the refs, there was the they were the team was playing dirty." It was I'll just literally say, "No, we weren't the better team on the day." You know, well done to the other team. Let's try and get let's try and get the win next week, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think I think with a bit of the work that I travel around and see a lot of the clubs, I, I get a lot of the enjoyment out of seeing the sides that, you know, um, have worked really hard or you see good people at the organisation and you go, you know what, I'd love to see them do well, so it's, uh, you know, just a, more of a rugby league fan than a one-eyed sort of exactly. um, supporter.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that sort of about wraps up that, that sort of chinwag, And let's get down to some try time trivia. I want to thank you very much for joining us here on the Final Tackle podcast. Thanks, AJ. See you
1: okay. the Bye. I'm